Are you one of these that's like, we should just give all them to the homeless? I am, yeah. I yeah. rather just burn them to the ground. The like, homeless. <laughs> What's happening? It's Pretend Ship, episode 58 on November 15th, I think, but we're recording this before lockdown, so it's... We're in that sweet, sweet bubble. Yes, that's true. Um, mm. Also, this is semi-outdoors in the treehouse, isn't it? Yeah, so I suppose it's fine. Like, I mean, we've had to, when you climbed up, I went behind you and like disinfected each strut of yeah, the tree, yeah. and then I came up. Well, I've I hired people, didn't I, yeah, to uh, yeah. replace each rung of the ladder. Yeah, and I must admit, like I am sorry for shouting at them when I thought they were stealing the tree house. It's okay; they don't deserve any respect. <laughs> um, sub subhumans. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, no comment. I may be bald, but I'm not a, not a racist. Well, we'll delve into that. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Breezy, if you don't know him, is the well, he's a, a multi-faceted and multi-dimensional, um, multi-disciplined artist. I have three full dimensions. More, I would say, <laughs> even than that. Um, Stand-up comedy, um, music, so the band Rivet City, and then um, I would imagine some other side side hustles going by, on. By this time, actually, it might be out. I might have brought out a track, but I might actually just announce it on this. Well, yeah, if it's definitely going to come out, because yeah. you'll you'll feel silly if it's not come out. Yeah, true, yeah, but I feel silly all the time anyway. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, also, a writer, um, written a little bit, a um, little bit of uh, spoken word poetry style stuff, mm -hmm. uh, style icon. And, <laughs> Let's uh, not go mad. And a political activist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, bits and pieces. In you come, and... Uh, We'll have a chat about probably deep things. I would have. <laughs> no, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Um, how have you been, man? It's been a roller coaster, dude. It feels like whenever I, I remember you text me, well, no, so I think we rang each other once, and like he was like, a, "I'm always, I'm always hesitant to ask you how you doing." I was like, "What?" Uh, no, I said every <laughs> time I ask you how you doing, you go, "Lad, last time we spoke, I was." That wasn't even me, that was, I was in a mania, <laughs> but this is the real me. And then next time I see you, like, I can't believe you believed the last time that I was okay then. Now I'm okay. So this is the latest one, isn't it? I mean, yeah, like, I'm, I'm managing to, like, not lose my mind all as well. You know, like, I've been coming off um, antidepressants. Yeah. So that's been, that's been fun and interesting. So how long you been off clean, cold clean. turkey? <laughs> um, probably, like, oh, shit, maybe, like, two weeks. So, like... The worst of the withdrawal is over. What What's the, the deal with it? The first day that you go on them, you will, the world is falling out of your ass. It's like, a bad thing when you go on them. Yeah, because the first couple of days, like, I had stomach cramps, shitting, like, couldn't sleep. And, like, and then what was weird is that, like, because it's, fuck, I, I assume, I'm not a doctor, but I'm assuming because it's editing your brain chemistry, like, I'd be sat there and, like, be laughing at something and then just burst into tears and that would just wow. carry on. I'm quite, with, with just like mind altering drugs in general, I think I'm quite um, susceptible. So you only need a little bit of something to... It's less that and more like, I think that um, my brain quite easily goes into really strange places anyway. Oh yeah. 
it's, it's ready like th those neurological pathways are already bored out yeah they're so, primed yeah so it can just fall right into it it's yeah. not got any doors to kick down on its way through your brain yeah and as, and as well like you know there, there used to be like a running joke at parties and to be like oh Breeze is losing it yeah it's 3am time to go on well we'll see how this uh, we've got we've got you on the Earl Grey there <laughs> that you insisted no milk no sugar <laughs> like it was black coffee uh, and a little a little pot of sake <laughs> Yeah, like little, vodka's the shit, man. For, yeah, for the for people at home watching or listening, uh, Breezy came in and was like, you've not got a shot glass, have you? I've got this flask of vodka with me. <laughs> We're in the morning right now. Yeah. Um, but, but like, yeah. it's because... Dude, handle it however you want. If you're coming off your meds and you need to, like, you know, put on uh, a cast as your arm heals, it's that, yeah. that sort of thing, in it, where if if you can transition using some other things that are a little bit less psychoactive than a exactly and as well like, i just like booze like i don't like beer because it makes me bloated mm. i think like i can never drink rum again after several really bad experiences sure. how's it been now you've so you've gotten drunk at least a couple of times since coming off your, your meds i yeah. would imagine you're doing it like with more frequency um does it feel different does shit feel different what, what's, yeah. what's I'm, the difference i'm starting to like talk to myself a lot more mm. like, I could, like that's one thing that the meds sort of like fizzled out is that i do a lot of talking to myself yeah. and like um i've noticed as well like i've become a bit more creative and like a lot of the lyrics that i'm writing now are like more sort of focused you yeah. know what i mean is there any worry is there any like oh is this bad in some way i don't think about that right it's something it's something that i've like tried to foster in myself is that like fuck it like I don't know, like, I, my philosophy on life sounds really depressing, but I'm just like, you will die. You are going to die. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And what's worse is that, not the dying bit, it's what comes before it. Like, you know, I, what, I've seen... What comes before it? As in, like, I've seen, like, members of my family, like, sort of wither away due to, to Parkinson's, and sure. I'm like, that is... If that does happen to me, I want to be fucking sure that I've left a mark before it happens. Yeah. Because, like... That shit's depressive. So we've covered this on uh, previous appearances as well, like your, your f ideas or beliefs surrounding like legacy. And yeah. So yeah, it, it, it feels weirdly, so you've got this sort of absolutist, um, we, we are going to die, you know, this sort of yeah. very final Nietzschean sort of outlook. But then this idea that you can, um, I don't know, leave a mark, it to me feels somewhat... Uh, yeah, contradictory. It feels at that. odds, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, I'm not as obsessed with le legacy anymore, but I think that the main thing being is that I think a lot of people view the sort of fatalism of we're all going to die, you know, and, and like nihilism of like, oh, you know, nothing matters. As a sad die. thing. Yeah, when, when it's, it's not, not, it's freeing. Yeah, it's great. It's like, man, if you do believe in reincarnation, odds on that you're going to be either working in some kind of like Bangladeshi textile Statistically, factory. Statistically, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, and like, that brings in the morality of like the whole point should be that it doesn't matter where you reincarnate that you'll just be okay you know what i mean and like, i think that if that's what you want to believe or whatever like if you do believe that this is the shot what are you saying about reincarnation though i used to be a massive believer in it and now i'm not sure because i think walking down the street someone would go i bet that guy believes in reincarnation <laughs> <laughs> i mean like i think i don't believe in like it's weird because physics tells us that energy is conserved. Mm -hmm. So, like, that energy has got to go somewhere. Those electrical signals in your neurons have got to go somewhere. They've got to dissipate somewhere. Right. 
Um, I but if you believe in that then, um, if it can dissipate to the um, degree that it's sort of like indiscernible from just nothing in the air, do you, do you know what I mean? It's not as if like it stays, it's not contained within anything. Contain, yeah, yeah, it doesn't retain its mass. So I would say if, if you believe that the energy, it's like it feels a certain way to be that energy and then the feeling of being something would sort of be directly proportional to the amount of energy that's there then yeah. it if it dissipates then it would go down to not feeling as anything and then when it's sort of recombobulated into a person that's going on you know it's not as if one person's at, i know this this is i'm well out of my depth speaking about this subject but it's not as if one person's soul if if you want to call it that goes into, into just another. one for one uh, yeah it would just to nothing and then and yeah. if that's true then everyone's soul is the same thing any do, do yeah exactly you know exactly I mean? exactly so that. if reincarnation is a thing if we want to define it loosely enough i would say like there there isn't a breezy and a peat there's just like we're all just the same thing the you, thing yeah you, do you know do you know what yeah, i'm saying someone more articulate than me could could probably um figure out what i'm trying to say and say yeah, it better than there's what a lot I'm of saying. philosophers that think like consciousness is linear the fact that like we are all the same consciousness and it's just different realms of experience. Yeah, like, so I, you're already me and I'm already the Bangladeshi yeah. child. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you are that kid who's blind. Do you know what I mean? But also you are Donald Trump. Like, and it's, I think that that's... That's one of my favourite things that I am. <laughs> it's well fun. <laughs> this is it though, like... I don't know, I don't know. I've, I've meant to ask you about this loads of times. But like, Wait, the election, is that not happening when this is already... This will it, already have happened, yeah. Oh, shit. Jeez. Maybe he's been assassinated already, we, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, do I want to go into th- I'll go into it a little bit. How can you not, man? Because, <laughs> like, like if, if no one, if uh, anyone listening has or hasn't got Breezy on Facebook, I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> um, he likes to uh, stir it up a little bit. I love a good, I love a good debate. Ch- chuck a political thing on there. Well, that's the thing, like, I think... Because I, I, I believe in debate. I always have done. Yeah. And, like, I think that the, pro, the the pitfall that people have is taking it personal. When it's yeah. like, man, like, just because I'm fucking throwing a political grenade into your day doesn't mean that I want to harm you. Right. I just want you to think about things. Like, yeah, and also, even if you feel um, as if... I, I would say any debate should feel like, say if it's between um, us, yeah. we should feel like we're on a two-man team trying to find the, the truth. Answer, yeah. So whoever's got the more easy to scrutinise idea, let's get rid of that between us and then we'll adopt the one that's making more sense. So it, it's like win-win for everyone involved, isn't it? You get to help someone if, if your idea wins the debate, yeah. quote-unquote, and if your, if your shit gets rubbished, then you you got smarter today, mm-hmm. and then if you hold on to it as it's like some sort of expression of your identity, and you're getting all like, um, you know, defensive about it, then you're sort of precluding the idea that you would grow from this debate. Well, yeah, and they they have that problem in science where like, even people's theorems who've been proven to be wrong cling on to them until their death because yeah. it's their life's work. Yeah. Despite the fact that science is supposed to be this ongoing. Yeah, you should be like, oh, evolution. that evidence has come out. Well, fuck my whole life's work because that's now been disproven. Oh yeah, like that's um, the most sciencey thing. Yeah, yeah, like that's what it should be about. Yeah. But like, like there's a, I think there's, I think it's an expression in science where it's just like uh, progress. Progress only comes when the last, the like, the last proponent of an idea dies or something like that. Mm. Like, 
you know, there's probably still people out there who are just like, what about evolution, though? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And... Wow. You'd be amazed yeah. some of the things that... So we'll have completely different echo chambers online despite being sort of music industry heads and yeah. and sort of guys around the same age or what have you. Um, but, you know, you'll be a lot more of the politically vocal guys or whatever. Um, I have people on there that are like, yeah, f- a little flat earth on occasion. Oh, I've uh, no, I know a few people like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, li- I like to keep them around because... I want to see what they're up to. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, because like, the mistake is some people go, oh, what's this guy? Fuck this guy off. You know, he's just like, you know, Nigel Farage is actually pretty. And then they just go, fuck you. Where it's, I think it's cool to like keep everyone so that you don't um, limit your exposure to all the breadth of opinions that are out there. Well, that's it. And like, you know, it's a Sun Tzu maxim. It's one of the first ones in the art of war. Like, know your enemy as yourself and you will not be defeated in a thousand battles. Like, it just, it, it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? To know your enemies. Like, this is what amazes me about politics in general. It's just like, have you not read Sun Tzu? Have you not read Karl Clausewitz? Like, it's right there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all you need to do is read do, it. Don't you marvel a little bit at, um, so, I, I don't know shit about politics for the, you know, for the record. So, if we get into it, then you're going to have to speak to me as you would, like an 11-year-old. I mean, I'm, I don't... I, We've gotten into politics in the past three podcasts and I'm not keen to do it again. Oh yeah, okay, (laughs) fair enough. Well, we don't have to, but I I am just just at a loss when whenever I see basically any politician, I'm like, this guy, this guy's the guy. How... How's he gotten through every stage of like being elected at his local council level? Like they all just seem like identical. No matter the party, everyone's just got the same sort of flavour to me. But that's, that's, that's what makes me despair about the political system is that like, you got to be squeaky clean or else the media will just destroy oh, you. Oh, that's true, yeah. But then you got guys like Farage and Trump who've, who've changed the game. I will always give respect to them for that. Like, they've blown the idea of politics wide open. Mm. And, like, that's a beautiful thing. Like, it shouldn't matter whether your politician has, like... For example, if a politician went on, on a TV debate regarding ju- drug legislation, it was like... Yeah, I do pills. Like That's the end of them, isn't it? Yeah, but it's just like, when really, who better to be able to comment on that than someone who's been inside? Yeah, the I've heard people, um, you know, especially like a Sam Harris uh, and, and people similar to that have always been um, supportive of or vocal proponents of people in positions of power should sort of have to have a mandatory three psychedelics experiences. Yeah. That'd be, and I bet some of them have, but then to your point, yeah, uh, they're, they're having to sort of uh, pretend that they're the politician. Well, this is it, and that's what really frustrates me, is that I honestly think, like, when you watch, you know when you watch the L.A.G. movie, Britain's crying out for something like that. Just someone who's from the street should just be like, this is what I reckon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why... It's, it's why I despair for electoral politics. Like, I've left the Labour Party now, like, uh, in, just in disgust. Yeah. But, like... What what was that about? Um, in that... I saw a lot of people going, that's it, Labour, fuck, like, a few weeks ago, and I was like, I don't know Basically, a man who's is. been campaigning for anti-racism and anti-fascism in his entire life, hmm. uh, in Jeremy Corbyn, has been... He's the, the main guy of the Labour Party, is he? He was. Now it's Keir Starmer. Right. Who... So Corbyn came out with some shit. 
Colin Corbyn basically, he was accused of anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and was accused of fostering anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, which is one of the most ridiculous charges. So the, he, he didn't do anything wrong? Um, I wouldn't say he did nothing wrong. Right. There were definitely failings, but I don't think it was malicious. What, what happened just at like, so, a succinct sort of There was like of 70 separate complaints of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. And is that unusual? Is that like of note or is that no, all, any party is just going to be getting all kinds of accusations all it's the time? It's definitely of note because like considering the Labour Party run on this kind of inclusivity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also worth noting that Jeremy Corbyn has also always been massively critical of the Israeli regime. And is that good or bad? I don't know what the Israeli regime is. Um, I mean, whether it's good or bad, it depends on your political perspective. But like, personally, I'm still undecided regarding Israel. Is, the, is this the uh, Palestine yeah, action? Thing, right, right. Yeah. So like, definitely what is happening there is horrific. However, I can't blame a people who see somewhere as a sanctuary from literal centuries of, of, of sort of discrimination and, mm-hmm. and murder and genocide, wanting to just be as secure as they can. Sure, I, I, I can't, I can't. And is Corbyn on your team there or no? Um, I think Corbyn is probably more critical than I am. Right. Uh, but basically, it came down to a lot of these complaints of anti-Semitism are tied up in criticism of Israel. And it becomes very murky waters. Because you're effectively criticising... Uh, yeah, a Jewish state. Sure. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there, there are people on the left who do have some really wiggy views regarding, like, Jews controlling the monetary systems and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where you just kind of like... Come There's on a lot now. of them on my Facebook as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's... It's really, it's really strange. Dude, I got a lift to when uh, me and Tanya moved into our, our place, like... A year or so ago, and it was a guy that I love. This guy called Leechy from my hometown, and uh, like, there's so many stories I could tell about this dude. He's just like a legend around the area. Yeah. But um, I don't know if, and I can never tell when he's joking because he's got like a, a very, uh, you know, curious uh, sort of flavor about him. But um, he, he was saying something like. Someone went, oh, just mention Jews to Leachy. And I was like, yeah, what do you think of Jews, mate? And he was like, all spies, mate. Spies. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I couldn't tell what? if he was joking or what. This is a guy just, uh, uh, I realise we're already deep into a thing, but uh, I would feel like I've done a disservice to Leachy if I didn't tell a couple just yeah. tangential little Give us a anecdotes. Leachy story. Um, uh, uh, one of my first memories of him is... He must have been 12 or 13 and I just hear beep beep. I'm on my street and I turn around and there's a lorry. In my memory, it's a lorry. It could have been like a, a, a big van or something yeah. like that. And it's just Leachy driving it. And he's, <laughs> and he's just driving past, but he's got his like hands under, like not on the wheel and he's just looking at me. Just, <laughs> so it was for my benefit, just him driving a van down the street at like 12 or 13 years Everyone old. Everyone knew a kid like that, yeah. But yeah, the guy just... Uh, well, I don't want to get him in trouble telling the funner stories. I'll yeah. tell you them uh, off off air. But uh, yeah, just crazy shit, man. Like uh, <laughs> I remember one time a taxi running over his foot, and he like made it into a joke. I, and I was like, "Oh, your foot, mate!" And he was just like, "This taxi's running over my foot." So he was, like, <laughs> just being weird with me, but um, yeah, he doesn't trust the uh, the Jews there. It's just this is it, though. Is that of all the conspiracies you want to believe? 
that one surely is the one that's been disproven at this point. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, well, you said you didn't want to cover politics too much, but feel free to go back to where we were up to on it. Um, but uh, uh, whether or not we finish it, I, I would like to get to if there are any conspiracies that you're into. Okay, let's, let's, I, I'm, I'm happy are to... Are we just going straight on yeah, to conspiracies? Yeah, let's do it, man, yeah. Okay. Because um, I think otherwise we're going to get into very marshy ground. Sure. Um, Unless you'd like to d- have some sort of closing statement on the matter just to make your position clear in case um, there's confusion. To make my position clear, I do not believe there is an international Jewish conspiracy. Um, but then on the, you know, the labour, the anti-Semitism. Right. Um, I think anti-Semitism has been a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's why you fucked labour off? Because they're no. not doing enough for that? Or? No, I fucked labour off because I think whilst anti-Semitism is a problem, mm-hmm. I think that the... It's only a problem against Jews. <laughs> well, I think that the... That of the rat. <laughs> I think that the, um, the depth of it is overstated. I also think that if you look at Jeremy Corbyn's actions... He actually worked to make that complaint process quicker and easier for people mm. and was blocked by the party. Also, that a lot of uh, Labour Party MPs and, and, and people who have been making anti-Semitic remarks were removed. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a cynical career move by Keir Starmer personally, and I think he is a traitor and a charlatan. But um, we shall move on from that. Got you. <laughs> um, conspiracy theories. Um it's weird because, like, some of them aren't conspiracy theories. Some of them are just true. Like, for example... The NSA shit. Yeah, well, and also, like, the fact that, like, the Vietnam War was started via a false flag operation, mm-hmm. uh, via the Gulf of Tonkin incident. Going into Afghanistan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, massive deposits of raw materials yeah. everywhere. Um, moon landing. Yeah, I think the moon landing happened. Yeah. But I think that... One conspiracy I do believe it. I, I do believe in is that I think that um, the US have a very successful propaganda campaign in mm-hmm. the West regarding the space race because everyone knows who Neil Armstrong is, but no one knows who Yuri Gagarin is. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, it's crazy. Like NASA is now like a fashion brand or something. Crazy. See people just walk around with like NASA shit on. Yeah, it's not. Like, well, then again, though, it's got to get funded somehow, hasn't it? I suppose um, you wouldn't think that'd offer a terrific amount of revenue, but I, I, like as we brought up, I, I think it's more to do with getting people on board. Like everyone's like, "Yeah, NASA, yeah. cool shit." What's going on with uh, what you're saying about old uh, Elon? I mean, he's a bit of a wanker, isn't he? Like calling—he appears to be a twelve-year-old boy in a yeah, man's yeah, body. Yeah, he is. Like considering that, like. He called some divers who were trying to save children pedos because they wouldn't use his submarine. What? You know, I heard, heard about this. No so idea like, what you're on about. There were some divers, um, one of them I think from Wales, because okay. a, a girl I was seeing, her dad is friends with one of them. And like, Elon Musk like came out and was just like, why won't they use my submarine to save them? Like, wh- why do they just want to go there on their own? Are they pedos? And it's just like... I'm not following the... Connect- How do you get from... They're not using the submarine. Pedos. That's what I mean. Because they're trying to save kids. And it's just like... Elon, just go on. He's that kid. Elon's the kid. Who you're all having a water fight. And he comes out with like a super soaker. But then goes like, I can't get wet. That's him. <laughs> That's Elon Musk. <laughs> got all the gear, but no idea. I just, I just, I've, I've got no time for Elon Musk. 
he just he just frustrates me. He angers me because I'm yeah. just like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna like we're gonna solve the, the the problem of overcrowding in LA by having tubes that shoot cars down. It's like, bitch, just use public transport. I do love me a good public transport. It's great. Like everyone goes, oh, it's the peasant wagon. It's like, lad, the, the buzz is fine. You name me another mode of transport, like apart from public transport, where you can go to sleep on your way to work. If you don't mind, uh, mind foreign people speaking really loudly on the phone, then there's no problem with public transport. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Is that a cultural thing, by the way? What is that? This is me on the phone on a bus. Hey, man. Yeah, I'm just on the bus, so I'll give you a ring back later. And then you've got someone next to you just, like, shouting on the phone. I'm talking about, like, no, I'm not talking. I can see you pulling back a little bit. I'm not talking about browns. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about any Polish, whatever. Just people who are not British speak on the phone, and they shout on the phone it's on the bus. I do that, though. I'm a phone shouter. Oh, yeah, yeah. on the bus. Ev- everywhere. Like, Fuck you. Yeah, like... It doesn't bother me though, because in my head I'm just like, oh, I wonder what they're saying. Do you know what I mean? I like it. Oh yeah, so you like eavesdropping, it makes it easier. Yeah, I love it. Like, you get all the day's drama. You don't need no TV, mm. you just sit on the bus. Just like, oh shit, someone's talking about they got sexually abused last week. Yeah, it's phone. like, oh bloody hell, Stacey's cheating on Brad. Ah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind it. Like, yeah. I, I, I like I like watching my fellow person. Like, it's like my favourite bit of house parties when everyone's drunk enough. That they're just like, and like they're in the, the middle of the room. And I just like sitting in a little corner with two of my mates just being like, watching it. Yeah, you know like I mean? people watching. Are you not crushed a little bit? Because I know you're something of a party animal that we're not going to get parties for a little bit. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. No. No. Like, I, as much as I, I like going to parties, I don't like parties. What I like is finding a spot in a party, putting down roots and just meeting new people. Yeah. That's one of the things that's available at parties. I know, but I don't like to dance. You don't have to dance. I know, but you feel like you do. It's like, oh, I don't want to go to a restaurant. I hate garlic bread. Don't get garlic bread. (laughs) Yeah, true. True. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm I'm missing it a little bit. But at the same time, like, I just sit in my room and just make music now. That's all I do. I just sit there, I drink coffee, occasionally masturbate. And just make music. Only occasionally. Mm. I've got a real issue. Have you? Red Raw, currently. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that since I gave up porn, it's it's made it a lot easier. Mm. Because, like... That you made a conscious decision, like, no more porn. Absolutely, yeah. Like it's how, how long do you clean from porn? Months now. Months? Not even one little bit of porn? And what would, you know, say if someone was a recovering alcoholic then they, it would be something, you know, it wouldn't be very tactful to be like, oh, well, let's all do a shot or whatever. So what happens if you see something, you must have seen something that's like vaguely pornographic. Yeah. And is your relationship relationship to those images now different? It doesn't mean that I never get turned on. Right. But it's the fact that like, with the amount of um, testimony that's coming out now from women in the porn industry, especially about websites, like free porn websites, yeah. like Pornhub, RedTube, whatever, the amount of like people trafficking that actually goes on yeah. in order to create that content. And there's mm-hmm. so much of it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, dodgy, like it, it funds a lot of paedophilia rings. Oh, so you mean, yeah, don't even watch any of it because even if you're, oh, I know this chick, she posts on Twitter all the time. Like she's not a child traffic, uh, yeah. do you know what I mean? But you are funding an industry that contributes a massive amount of money to really bad things. Yeah, they make the money off the ad revenue on the page. Yeah. So even if you're, 
if you, even if you're watching a independent porn actor or actress, um, I know it's just actor in it. What I mean about yeah, it's just an independent porn actor, then fine. But it's the fact that their video is hosted on that porn distribution site, often against their will. Yeah. Um, for free. So you're making my knob real guilty right now. So I'd love if you could uh, postulate a ethical and ethically green way for me to continue. Well, I think OnlyFans is the ethical way to continue. Mm. I would consider that infidelity, though, if you're paying for people that you might know to show you their cooter. I mean, you don't necessarily have to know them. That personal relationship that you have with them, no matter how transactional, is, for me, being in a relationship becomes something... Well, some people just make OnlyFans porn. That's what they do. Like, I think that... If, you, if you're serious about still wanting to consume it, then I'd say that go seek out that. I mean, to be honest with you, like, I've never been a big fan of, like, masturbation. It makes me feel very guilty. Um, I hear a lot of people, that's the main thing everyone says, like, oh, the shame, the guilt afterwards. I just feel great. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, life. Life is the best. Well, as well, like, it starts affecting your sex life. You know what I mean? Because as right. well, another thing about these antidepressants is they massively fuck your, up your libido. As your li- libido returned? A little bit. Yeah. But like, it's a, it's a long way to go yet. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, I, I think with the pornography thing, it's... Because I think we've... We, I, it's like with music. We, we hit the curve of everyone downloading everything for free, Napster and shit. Yeah. And then people started realising the ethical quandaries with it. And I think now we're starting to see the curve flatten again, where like, you know, people are signing up to Spotify or other distributing sites. Yeah. They're paying money. There is pressure. I honestly think most music consumers would be happy to pay an extra four quid a month for Spotify if it meant that their favourite artists were paid a fair wage. Yeah. For what they do. For sure. You know, and in the same way that... Most? You think most would? I think most would. If you sat them down and showed them the statistics, because... As a, as a musical artist, how do you feel that I don't pay for Spotify? I, don't, I pirate albums. I just check it out on YouTube if I'm going to listen to something. Um, see, I think that it can be unethical. However, you work directly with small bands mm-hmm. and larger artists in order to further their career and further their profile. Right. So if anyone has an ethical sort of get-out-of-jail-free card... Uh, you could argue the opposite, though, that like I, of all people, should be aware that my clients need to be making money. True, but I suppose that certainly at the level I'm at, I'm just happy for people that are listening to it. That, that's how I feel when I'm downloading it. Like, listen, th- this is sort of a big topic. I imagine you'll have a, a good opinion on. Um, I f- feel similarly to that in the respect that um, I'm listening to this music going... You shouldn't want to make a living off this. This is art that should never be um, a, a product, uh, you know, a, a consumable good. That you sh- we should just be getting this, and you can sell tickets to your shows. I can understand that they cannot be free merch, of course, but the art itself, I always feel as if, should always be free. I think, yeah, like the first drummer of the Velvet Underground left for that exact reason. Because he was like, this art should be free. Art shouldn't be uh, commodified. Um which is, I won't go into it too much, but I think that a different economic system could solve that. Because I think... Communism? Yeah. Um, but we'll leave that one there. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I think that 
the commodification of art now is getting to the point where, um, for example, now it's reached a point in, in the same way that business has reached a point, that, that literature has reached a point, acting has reached a point, whatever you want, where a tiny, tiny minority get fabulously wealthy from what they do. And then the vast majority earn next to nothing, if anything. Um, for example, if you want to support an artist, a T-shirt is worth approximately a thousand streams. Yeah. Just buy a T-shirt, buy one T-shirt. If yeah. every fan of a band bought one T-shirt, yeah, you'd be fine. Because then, I think as well with merchandising, your, 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 every pound that you're spending on that merchandise goes so much further. There's the T-shirt printers. There's the band that are taking the money for the T-shirt. There's whoever they're paying for marketing. There's, you know what I mean? There's all these different bits and pieces. A little sidebar on that. I think bands, if you're wondering why people are not buying your T-shirts, it's because the designs are bad. And I can <laughs> sort that out for you. If you'd like to get in touch on my Instagram at Shaolin Pete, <laughs> or even on Facebook, Peter Hall on Facebook, I will make it so that people want to buy your T-shirts and they're not like... I, I like this band and I'd buy this t-shirt, but it looks shite. I mean, no, you're right. You're right, pretty much. Like, some of our t-shirts, I'm not going to lie, look pretty cool. And we've seen a lot of, like, interest in them. And I've always been the, of the opinion with bands is that your merch, people should just want to buy it even if they don't know who you are. Yeah. Because it looks cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of good bands where I'm like, I love this band, but I wouldn't be caught dead in that t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. But bands, I've seen some horrible band merch. What you do? What have you got going for for RC merch these days? If you go on the website uh, rivercity.co.uk, we've got a store. You'll be able to see it all. Couple tees. We've got some t- mostly t-shirts. Got some jumpers. Masks. <sighs> Again, I'm in a bit of a moral quandary about masks. Oh yeah. Because obviously they are a required item now. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the idea of like branded masks. It seems to me a, a very. It seems to me like a very strange thing to be profiting from. Well, it's. I mean, you have to wear a shirt if you want to go in Tesco. So in that respect, it is an essential oh, garment. You have to wear shoes unless you know you want to get weird looks. Or, <laughs> so it's just a, a fashion item now, I've been isn't it? A mask. A few shops for that. No shoes. Not having shoes on you. Which shops? Um, when I was like, like local to your house. Yeah, when I was like twenty, and I lived in Wivington. I used to go into my local co-op with no shoes on and like, they'd kick me out, kick you out and eventually banned me. Yeah. I think it could potentially have been the whole ensemble and they assumed that you might have been... Uh, I have some kind of vagrant. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I remember when you, before you'd sort of given up the goat on, on the old fro there, it was uh, getting a little straggly and there'd be colours in it and stuff. Like, this guy, this guy's not a uh, an accountant. Yeah, I did not look like a well man for a long time. Yeah. But um, I'm glad that people just... I think you could do it now. You know, yeah. It's a little smarter. You've got the you know tapered pants on there. A nice new German. Yeah, um, this po- is... Post-apocalypse. I don't know what she... Um, if she has an actual business page. But uh, my friend Evelyn Osborne, I met her at a rave in Liverpool like six years ago. And now she lives in Berlin and makes her own clothes. She made this? Yeah, she made this from scratch. It's super sick, It's that, amazing, man. man. And if you look at the back bit, like she's like that's like her trademark kind of thing, like yeah, the design. And for the for the listener, Breezy's wearing a, um, I'd say it's a jacket that could equally be from the past or the future. Yeah, it's like a cloak. 
You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, I described it before the sh- before we started recording as um, the second to last boss on an Assassin's <laughs> Creed game, but it also looks like you could be uh, working on the Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, for sure. And like, but this is Watch it. Watch out for that mic. There. Yeah, sorry, I got it. It's um, it's the same with a lot of things. I think that. There's a lot of independent artists, especially people making clothes, just making the sickest shit. And like, one thing that I always sort of feel bad about is I'm like, I want a shirt that no man owns. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the only way to do that is to pay more money, but know for a fact that like someone has, I know for a fact that she has sat in her room at some point and made this, Yeah. designed this. It always feels a lot more characterful. I like, um, you know, sort of charity shop stuff. Yeah. Or if you're in Manchester, Charity shop stuff is called vintage, yeah. and, and it's like forty pounds extra. Yeah, and it's four hundred percent more expensive. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like you know you buy, I think this dressing gown was a quid from mm. a charity shop, um, and I, I always think, oh, this is cool. It's got some, it's had it's been lived in, and it's yeah. I don't know. You can you just you forced to like imagine what sort of uh, person might have owned it before, good or bad, and uh, I think yeah, just obviously it's not exactly the same if if you're buying from. You know, your mate has made that, but it, it adds an extra dimension to the, the item where you, you're not just like, I went in Primark and bought this mass-produced thing. Yeah. You're just like, oh, it's got a little story to it or something. I think that's always nice. I think that's a conspiracy, you know. What is? I, I, I don't know whether I just don't understand economics, but I often just think, like, how do businesses make any money? Like, big ones. Right. You see how many people that work in Primark? They are all on, like, what, like, 16 grand a year? Sure. And it's like... How much money do you have to be making to pay off? Shall we have a guess what the turnover at, like, Manchester Primark is? I mean, aside from tax evasion, I don't understand how, like, they carry on. Let me find out. I know this is horrific podcasting, just me, like, scrolling. (laughs) Um, If you have a little cup of vodka, drink along. I don't know. It'll be a lot. Even though everything's, like, 50p in there. Have you ever been in there? Yeah. Just bedlam. It's just madness. animals just churning. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I mean, though. I th- honestly think that maybe that's like a conspiracy, where like the only reason that the stores are remaining on that land is like as a tax sink. I don't know what that is. So like, you know all these buildings that are going from Manchester, like the skyscrapers? Like, it's, there's a lot of it in London. Like, private interests, like a lot of like sort of like shady Saudi businessmen do this. Where like Shakes and shit. Yeah, well, invest a shitload into property so that it's te- it's, they technically still have um, assets, but because they've been put into a building, they don't, they don't have to pay any tax on them or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it works, right. but it's a way of like basically embezzling your funds because if you have savings, usually your savings are taxed right if they're above a certain amount so if you can just break even owning a primark you'll have to pay less taxes than if that money was just sat there yeah in the same way that you know there's people who turn down um uh, promotions and pay rises because they would end up making less because yeah. they're i think more. if my mum worked like two extra hours a week she would no longer get like benefits for being like a full-time carer to my dad yeah that kind of shit yeah crazy man like but, yeah, so I think that's, that's a conspiracy I believe in. I genuinely think that a lot of... Because, you know, these luxury apartments, like, who's living in them? Yeah, I don't know shit about it. No, exactly. No one lives in them. It's not real. You know what I mean? Are you one of these that's like, 
We should just give all them to the homeless. I am, yeah. I yeah. mean, I'll just burn them to the ground. The like, homeless. Just... <laughs> um, not with them inside, but like, I just... Don't, just... don't poison the smack and get rid of the homeless problem. <laughs> I mean, I think the dealers are already doing a good job of that. Dude, by the way, homeless, I've said before, like, it's, it's not as if you, if you house them that's good. Homeless is sort of misleading a label for, these are people with severe mental health issues and you know substance abuse problems a lot of the time. Mm. There's, there's more going on than they just don't, their homelessness is a, a symptom, is like a byproduct after the fact. Of, it depends on your definition of homeless because I more talk about the hidden homeless, like people who are couch surfing, people who live in B&Bs. Oh yeah, I looked this up the other day. So there's like tramps, bums, homeless people, like <laughs> vagrants. There's all these like different terms that mean slightly different. Like some people won't work and they're, and, and they're just comfortable with like living. And then some people are trying to work, but then they've got it. So yeah, what, what's your definition of homeless? People who... Who work. have no fixed abode. Right. Like, but they're like, not tramps begging on the street. Well, I mean, those people still are homeless, but they are a different, I think a different, it's a different social problem. So you're very up on like woke matters and stuff. You stay, you stay. You I, know, I am tuned in with the wokeists. You keep your ear to, to those I, streets. I've been known to look at woking. <laughs> <laughs> I've travelled through woking. <laughs> That's nice. Um, so you'll have to tell me how enlightened uh, this sounds or not. I if, love it when you do this. What, when I'm like, oh, goodness. Or when I, when I make <laughs> you answer for the, uh, yeah. right. Um, so I would say the overwhelming majority of someone that asks for money in the street is using it for drugs. I couldn't answer that, I don't know. You, you, so you're saying there's no possible way to know that as it's no possible way to know what anyone's spending the money on? Well... That's I, a, that, I feel like that's a very politician-y answer. I'll, when you can see crack face. <laughs> I think that, yeah, like, there's a massive correlation between problematic drug users and, these pe- and people who beg on the streets for money. A monolithic correlation. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like, the point that I make is that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be allowed to have a home. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, yeah. I wasn't saying, like, these people don't, don't deserve anything. I'm saying that these are people we should be helping to receive their uh, support from mental health professionals. Yeah. And, and instead of just whack them in a house. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or it's, it's not as if... The pr- their problem is that they c- can't seem to get a home. Their problem is th- they've got they're like severely dependent on horrific drugs. You know, it's not as if they're just like smoking a bit of weed or something like that. That you can see something's desperately wrong with their physical health and their mental health, and whatever's gotten them to this point has also made it so that there's no way they could get in a shelter at night because you're not allowed in if you're like loaded. Mm. Um, there's no way they can get hold of a house because they're just, like, spending all the money on drugs. Well, and also, like, the housing system is kind of fucked up because uh, your average homeless person will get put into, like, a halfway house or a hostel. But the second that you get a job, the government rescinds its funding. Right. So then your rent goes up, so then you're back on the streets again. And also, that's the point when you start... Is this a conspiracy you're into? Like, the government wants a certain number of homeless people. Oh no no! That's it's just it's just that's a fact. Like that's that's that how they, it works. That they're comfortable to keep homeless homeless. Um, I wouldn't say comfortable doing it, but I think that the systems are set up in such a way that it's punitive. You know what I mean? 
in the same way that I have a friend who was trying to get onto universal credit and she was on hold for most of the day trying to get through to them. Yeah. And I just think it's just rank incompetence from top to bottom rather than in a conspiracy. I'd say that about a lot of conspiracies. I think that it's not so much that there's people controlling the world. It's just that your average person is quite incompetent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Including myself. Everyone like, you know, is incompetent to some level of degree at what they do. And, you know, I, but then you get into sort of like bank bailouts and you just kind of like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? Like you caused this problem and now we're giving you some money to sort it out. It's like, what? Uh, uh, we're getting into territory I'm, I poorly understand again I mean I don't claim to be an expert either so we'll just <laughs> why don't you tell us so you said you might uh, announce this new musical venture venture are you, yeah. want, are you wanting to do that yeah, or are you wanting to it, see yeah. how it pans so, um, out for because this obviously was recorded a few weeks ago but I mean I said that I'd, record, I'd release a track in November I don't mm. know when it's going to be there's not going to be a big fanfare. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. But uh, I'm starting a new project called Desk Ridden. Uh, Desk Ridden. Yeah. If you want to follow it on Instagram, it's Desk and then R-I-D-D-E-N and then an underscore after it. Desk Ridden line. Yeah. Because there's already someone who just posts pictures of desks called Desk Ridden. Fuck. <laughs> which is really, really depressing. Devoured. Yeah. I almost did Buy it. Buy it off him. I might do. I might do actually. See how it pans out a little bit, but you've got a you got a strike at the correct point because if he sees you sort of gaining any sort of uh, follower base or anything, he'll be like, "Oh, I can charge this guy some money. He really wants this." Day. You could just be like, "I love desks as well. Can I have that for fifty pounds?" Yeah, I might. Yeah, that's a shame. I didn't even know you could do that. Well, it's not like something you could do through Instagram, but you can just like privately sort it with the guy. Do it through Monzo, and then if he doesn't uh, make good on his his part of the deal, you can get that money back. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I hadn't even thought of that. I'm probably going to check that out. But basically what Desperate is, is my emo side. And like, it's stuff that's too dark for the band. Yeah. Like stuff about like old people sitting in their own piss and then the ammonia fumes slowly but surely like rot their hair. Yeah, I think I remember like that. hearing that you bounced that one off me. <laughs> it's like um, more... I wouldn't say it's like spoken word because it's not, it's not like that slam poetry scene in 22 Jump Street. It's like, uh, it sounds a little... It's kind of like Scroobius Pit, that kind yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's like a rap, but almost punky as well because it's definitely tonal, like you're a, a singer. Yeah. So it, it's not as if you're just like spitting bars. It it's, feels like this hybrid between rap and, and punk vocals. That's what it feels like to me. something I've wanted to do my whole life, but didn't feel that I had the tools to do it. And now I do. All right, I'm not the best producer in the world, but like, make it work. If you sit there for eight hours in front of that laptop screen, something will happen. Yeah, yeah, I've been pretty impressed. With I must, so I must say, like, I've been surprised at how positive the reaction has been to people I've shown it to. Yeah, because so like, focus grouped it a little. Yeah, bit. yeah, because like, basically, I've only sent it to people that I know will give me a straight answer. And even like Dave, who is like the guitarist of the band. Who is got a vested interest in you not going off and doing your own. <laughs> well, also, who like you know will tell you in very few words what he thinks mm-hmm. and will also then give you an idea of where you're going wrong and how to fix it. It's been like, yeah, it sounds pretty good, man. And I'm like, oh, yeah, shit. I don't know if you, this will be corroborated by you know some of the other people that you've sent it to, but it just feels like, oh, this is very promising and it sounds definitely unfinished. Yeah. 
and I want to see like what's what the next you know pieces are well basically yeah I want to make music and I always have done and never really felt like I've been able to do it in the band at the moment is make music that makes people go Ooh. do you know what I mean <laughs> what was that like, oh. like you know like just kind of listen to it and they're just like, like they, they this make, is what you want yeah okay like, I want me I want to make people really really uncomfortable and sad I just want yeah, to it's definitely at odds with what the rivet city sound is <laughs> yeah yeah for sure but it's okay because I've got that outlet now, so I can stop like getting so stressed about the idea of like not being able. Yeah, to will get... it will it help you Definitely. in Rivet City? Yeah, because then you're like, oh, I don't feel as if I'm having to suppress a part because that, that I have sort of like opened it and I can squirt that all out yeah, into yeah. desk ridden, and, Basically, and yeah. then I can do this for what it is rather than try and oh, I'm, I'm not not, not fully getting my whole. Um, you know, ideas into this thing. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. That being said, though, like, I've also felt a lot more freedom in lockdown with the band because we're all just like, we're not doing any of the live gigs, so let's just make music. And we've got a tune at the moment that we're working on that the chorus is, uh, <laughs> I don't believe in an afterlife, no soul to save your graces, worms will eat your faces and there is no second act. Um, no amount of faith will change this. There is no God, there never was. And I take faith in that. And I'm just kind of like... Oh, I like the rhyme structure in yeah, there. Yeah, like, I feel like I've sort of hit my stride a little bit with the band now. Where I'm like, right, okay. As long as it's got a cool melody, I can say what I want. You know that I mean? also sounded like something that you would just say in conversation to me. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like, so it feels very true to you. This is it. Like, I think I spent a lot of time with River City trying to like make these metaphorical masterpieces mm. of lyricism and then forgot that you need a fucking belter melody. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, which, is, which is cool. You know, and the next song that we've got coming out, um, Christ, what's it called? Um, shit. You may consult your phone. Vaminos. Um, once the single version of Vaminos comes out, you'll hear a lot of what I'm trying to achieve with Desk Ridden in that. Because it got to the point where I was just like, I'm just going to do this and see what it sounds like. Which one is the one that's like, uh, I'm sorry I survived? That's Vaminos. Vaminos. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's when that comes out. It's that made be me great. really sad when we were shooting that. Really? Just hearing it, I was like, for fuck's sake. Like, it's like, this isn't Rivet City. <laughs> meant to be dancing and then go, yeah, high-fiving everyone. I'm like, this is very sad. But like, I remember my dad listened to that track and was just like... You all right? Yeah, it was just like, is this what... I'll never forget him sitting me down and being like, is this what you actually think and feel? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, Jake, this isn't good. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Yeah. It was fucking hilarious. I'm just like, oh shit, my dad thinks I'm gonna kill myself. Did he have, does he have any inkling about like your psyche and so like does he take an interest in that or Yeah, like I try to be a lot more honest with my parents these days. Like they didn't know I'd been diagnosed with some stuff until like much later on down the line because mm-hmm. I wanted to just hack it on my own. But yeah. and like that with a lot of aspects of my life. Like I try to keep certain things apart and never the twain shall meet. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't think that telling your parents all your problems is necessarily a good idea because I know a lot of people like, you know, then people, everyone's matched like, oh, you know, my mum's my best mate. And I'm just like, kill, 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 kill. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it just, if your mum's your best mate, you're doing something wrong. Uh, it's nice to have a good relationship yeah. with your parents, but best mate. You know what I mean? You've either got a really sad life or a really unhealthy dynamic with your parent there. Well, this is it. Like, I'm Sam with my parents. So I'll have a laugh with them. But I'm like, you aren't my friends. 
You're yeah. my parents. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that teachers at school used to fuck me off with that. It's like, hello, it's me, Mr. Davis, but you could call me Jimbo. Like, it's like, you aren't my friend, you're my teacher. Yeah, teach me up nice. Teach. I'll hang out with my mates. Yeah, like, and it's all, it doesn't mean that we can't be civil and we can't have a laugh, but there's, there needs to be separation here. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's something that we're losing quite a lot of, you know what I mean? Is that, like, I don't care how many followers a fucking, you know, a, an economist has. I, or what, what big zingers they've put out on Twitter today. Like, you're a politician, write policy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, get things done. Don't worry about savaging the other party on Twitter. Dude, politics, music industry, yeah. ma- many things, even just like Sainsbury's is tweeting. Do you know what I mean? Like, everything mm. has, has taken on, at least on social media, but it definitely permeates into real life, more often than not, a popularity contest, which is... Um, I don't know, do, do we want to be um, afraid of that? Do, do we want to like resist that? Or do we want to go, oh, maybe this is the way everything's going and we should adapt? I think maybe what it is is that we're living now through the kind of, you know, when they first invented trains and they were like, oh, if, if, if a woman on a train goes up below five miles an hour, it will suck a baby straight out of her. Do you know what I mean? And like that kind <laughs> that of shit. a real thing. That yeah, yeah, that people yeah. believed. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. And like people like walking down the street with flags to let them know a car going at ten mile an hour is coming and shit. Like that happened. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Wow. Up. Yeah, crazy shit. And I think that we're in that era of the internet now, where we've discovered it and we're starting to understand. Yeah, like, I really hope so. I hope that this is all just teething problems. Yeah, but I think that you know we're gonna look back on the way that we use the internet now. The same way that we look back on, you know, um, like sort of people in like the 1800s who thought that disease was caused by bad air. You know what I mean? It's like if we all walk around with tobacco, nobody will ever get ill ever again. Do you know what I mean? And like bloodletting and all that shit. I think we'll look back on now in like 30 years time and be like, fucking hell. Because you've got to think like there's now a generation of kids who don't remember the dial-up noise. Can you do it? Yeah, I love like, that shit. Yeah, yeah, it's cool as fuck. I want to put it in a song. And then it goes like, tick, tick, like a little corn breakdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, if you're on the phone, it's just like, <laughs> like, yeah. But, it, that, but it, I'm surprised that because you're like, what, 24? 26. 26, right, right. Yeah, okay, I'm not surprised then. But I, th- I thought you were like a bit younger than that. But yeah. how old, like, below your age, probably don't, don't remember it? That's, well, this is usually the, um, what I go off in terms of what age of person is okay to date. If they don't remember the dial-up noise, don't date them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I think like the, the youngest people that remember the dial-up noise are probably like 22. Dude, it's legal to shag Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. I've not ever watched it. What, you've seen like adverts for it. You know, the little kid with the skinhead, little girl like going like this. There's <laughs> there's a child star that has like just turned old enough to shag now, and it's like what the, f- it's crazy. I'm not saying like the legal age of consent should go up, but can you imagine shagging even like an 18 or 19 year old? It's like you're just a kid basically, aren't you? This is it. Like I think in this country we've got it all kinds of fucked up where you can have sex and have a family at 16, but you can only get drunk enough to make the mistake at 18. Legally. How nuts is that? Yeah, nuts. 
you can go and fight for your country at 17, but yet you're not legally old enough to drink a beer. Yeah. Crazy shit. I just think that, the again, like I just think that the blanket age should just be 16. You can get drunk at 16. You want to get you want to get high? You can get high at sixteen. Vote. You want to vote? Vote at sixteen. Yeah, like, I think that you should be able to vote at sixteen mm-hmm. because it seems to me strange that people who are going into the workforce don't have a say about how it operates. Yeah, insane. Do you know so what I mean? what's the age for voting? Eighteen. Eighteen. Bonkers. That was one of my like. You one can of my... get shagged by a... at sixteen. Could you? Could a forty-year-old man have sex with you? You could, but it wouldn't be. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be like. I think it would be frowned upon. But legal, like ten, you, you could go up to a policeman and go, that 40-year-old guy just shagged me and they'd be like, oh, sweet. As long as you had no prior contact with them, because then it would probably fall into grooming. Sure. But like... I met him on my 16th birthday. Yeah. In, in, in Upley. So weird. Which has probably been the start of a lot of love but, stories. But then there are people I know who are our age who are, I would consider it exploitative to sleep with. Because I know exactly who you're talking about, and I agree. Right. <laughs> I mean, more, more than one, yeah, multiple people who I would consider it, like, you'd have to be a pedo to shag this 25-year-old or this 28-year-old because they're just, like, as a child. Like, I, I would consider it more ethically permissible to sleep with a very mature 16-year-old than some people that are our age. That's interesting. Yeah. So, like, yeah, like, do we... It, it is interesting how we have these kind of weird age boundaries about what we assume development developmentally a point that people are at because i look back at 18 year old breeze like completely different human but i would imagine quite a lot more advanced in certain respects than other 18 year olds just knowing you like knowing that you're intelligent sort of interesting dude uh, that will have been present from quite early but at the same time though i mean like most of my friends lost their virginity when they were like 13, 14. I lost it at 13, yeah. That's the thing, I was 18 and I lost my virginity. And um, I must say, I'm quite glad of it now. Because like, I feel that like, even though I was very sexually frustrated, I think that that also, it means that you don't sort of like, I don't know, you don't grow up too quick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure. Because then you fall into territory of like, should there be like an exam you've got to take? I think there should be an exam you've got to take if you want to get a parenting license. <laughs> what do you reckon? At I least an IQ test or something. I don't know about an IQ test, but I think definitely some kind of like, there should be mandatory education regarding raising children. Yes. For 16-year-olds. Like, because... You know, most of the stuff that makes you fucked up, you inherit from your parents and your upbringing. And then that's compressed by your interpersonal relationships with your peers. But I mean, I think that sex education is woefully failing a lot of people in this country. Like, Would you consider parenting to be under the umbrella of sex education? Definitely, because it's the logical conclusion of sex if we take it. You yeah. know what I mean? And As how God intended it. Yeah, how the, how the Lord intended but um, it's just the fact that, for example, uh, I, d- I think that, me included, the vast majority of men learn about female anatomy from porn and learn about sex from porn, mm. which is a really, really, really bad idea. Yeah. Like, the amount of women that I've talked to who had really, really grim first-time sexual experiences 
because some dude was just going ham. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, I had, like I said, I lost my virginity at 13. So luckily, because of the age that I am, I only had the internet available to me at like 17, 18. Yeah. So like I'd fully understood the natural form of, of the female. Yeah. Like, well, that makes it, I completely understand. I'm an expert, but <laughs> like, I'd already explored a little bit for a few years before I could even consult porn is what I mean. This is it. Like, and it fascinates because like there was a, there was a really interesting documentary about, I can't remember which, like, I think it's like a Central African nation where a lot of, a lot of the lads in the community. The uh, age of consent in, the, in a lot of those nations, by the way. 11. I can't remember which country it was. Yeah, it was a lower age of consent. Um, How crazy the, is that? You have the same problem in like South Africa, Jamaica, like kind of where you have communities where the age of consent is a lot lower. And then you end up with young boys who have access to the internet being completely brainwashed by porn and then really causing damage to these women and to other men, yeah. especially, you know, like gay men, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and then also you've got the knock-on effect of these young people then feeling immense pressure to, you know, do these really unnatural sex acts. Stuff that just looks good for camera. Yeah. Like I always thought, it's so weird that porn has basically programmed a, a generation of people to think that the the best, like the birthday surprise, that the best sex you could have would finish in like whipping out and jizzing in someone's face. Hmm. And it's like... Jizzing in someone's face feels, for the guy, no different than just wanking off, right? Yeah, I used to, I was with a partner for a bit who, like, was really into that. And I never quite understood I know it. there's, like, a psychological, you know, like, a component of, like, being... There's a, there's a lot to unpack there, but just, like, yeah. the physical sensation of it is, you know what I mean? You want to be deep and warm and dark inside, right? That's, that's the best feeling. That's the one that you can't get on your own, but that doesn't look good for camera, so that's not what they do in porn. Well, and also, like, you know, like, the actual... Like, the nature of the orgasm mm -hmm. is very different in pornography than it is in real life because everyone's, like, natural orgasm reaction is different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you ever squeaked whilst or orgasming? Have I ever squeaked? I've done it once and I've never lived it down. Will you do the noise that you Sound made? like a... <laughs> I can't say that. Because, like... You did it with a, a girl. Because I was out of breath. And you know when, like, you breathe in too She quickly. laughed at you. Yeah, yeah, she was pissing aside, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It, it crushed you. Yeah, big time. But, oh, like, <laughs> But, like, it was the fact that, like, I breathed in. And you know when you breathe in day quick and you sometimes you're like... <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that happened. Oh, no. And she just looked up and was like... <laughs> Sorry that you had to go through that. Oh, don't worry, I was crushed, but I had to laugh because I was like, I don't laugh. But did that not mar your orgasms for a good year or two? Still after, does, yeah. Where you're just like, oh, but I was Greek. Pretty much. Oh, man. But it's all right. Like, it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, it? Johnny Yule said that he, he goes, uh, he goes, like, what? Like, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> like, Can you imagine Johnny doing that? And then starts laughing, he says, after he's finished. I laugh a lot. Oh, 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 you're like, what <laughs> the bloody hell have we been doing there? That was crazy, wasn't it? Why, how, why are we un, under this cupboard? <laughs> oh, I can't imagine Johnny has been like, oh, yeah, all right, yuck, let's go and get, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I love Johnny Ewell, man. He's fast becoming one of my favourite human beings. Like, I think what's great about him is that, like, he's, he's a proper, oh, what's the word? He's a proper silent assassin. Like, 
you know, like, like talking to him, you'd think that, like, you know, he just sits on the end of the bar and just has a great time and throws olives at people. But then you listen to the music he makes and you're just like, what is inside you? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? How do I crystallise it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I spoke to him, he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and, and I was like, I hope you won't be offended, but it, you wouldn't seem to someone who's just meeting you like you are as talented a musician as you are. Mm. Um, but that's only, it's not speaking to how dumb he seems or something, it's just speaking to how like surprisingly good he can be, you know, like in all these different disciplines and, and it not be evident. Yeah, I think Johnny Yule might be the least pretentious person I've ever met in my life. A hundred percent. He's amazing. He's just, and that's probably why, like, whenever I see him, he's never, ever without a partner. Just because, like, I, I'd fuck Johnny Yule. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he just... He just he just gets about. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's there's something there that the the ladies are attracted to. Hell yeah! Just got this image of him on a ditch, me like, do you listen to Thrice? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think he has. Um, what was it? He like he played someone a tune one time, and was like, he said he'd written it for them, like a girl, and they were just like, oh my god, and it was just a, a Thrice move. tune. That's big balls. Have moves. you done that before? No, I've had a girl ask me to write a song about them. And I flatly refused. I've written a lot of poetry for women. Yeah. And it's usually gone down well. I have a song called, um, I, I can't remember if it had a title, <clears throat> but I wrote it for one of my first girlfriends. And it was a, a rap love song. Aww. So I'm like 12 or 13 or something at the time. And I did a little album cover and it's like me on the album, you know, like wearing sort of like boot cut jeans and a white t-shirt and then like a, you know, a bejeweled cross necklace or something and with my hair gelled. You know, wow. like I'm going to my year six disco and it's like, yeah, girl, and I want to show you a good time. Like, you know, that sort of energy. It'll be out there somewhere That's if anyone amazing. wants to. Little Peep. Little Peep. Uh, the name of it was, uh, my rap name was True Tone. That's cool. Like you like that? that? Yeah, I like that, yeah. That's not cool. True Tone, I like it. T-R-U. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's Are like True Tone. Yeah, I like that. Okay, yeah. can I have it? You, you can have it. It's not yeah, probably will. not will. Maybe I'll the call Instagram, it. the Spotify. All, everything's probably available if you'd like to take that as your rap moniker. I mean, like, oh, I might do actually. I might start. He has another project. I, I like, think you'll resist the urge to take the the subheading that I used to go. Yo, it's True Tone, the Teenage Storm. Have <laughs> 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 you done that for? Yeah. Oh, you were doing so well. Yeah. And then you just took a massive dump on it. I might do an episode and just like read out all my old lyrics and play some tunes and shit. Um, I can still remember the first lyrics I ever wrote, still word for word. I can recite I think them you've, for I you. I think you mentioned like. them on a previous episode. If you'd like to see more of Breezy, there are a couple more episodes, but yeah, hit me with them. I wrote them in Chris Darby's bedroom. No way. Though I be not without sin, I have been assaulted from within. And I was like 12. Jesus Christ. And like, I never forget, like, Chris, Chris just looking at me and being like, oh, you know. Like. <laughs> Do you want a jammy dodger? And like a young prepubescent Gareth Nuttall on a guitar. Just be like, hello. <laughs> 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 oh, Gaz. Yeah. Gaz um, also on an episode, if you'd like to go and see Gareth. Oh, the Gaz episode's great. I can't remember if I've written Gareth or Gaz Nuttall, the mm. lounge recording studio. Yeah, I did Gaz. Like, Done the sound for Rivet City on occasion for lottery winners yeah. a lot of the time. 
a few other bands, The K's, and yeah, just like a bunch of, he's a good lad. That's one thing I've been meaning to ask you. Because uh, I, I watched the Tom episode, uh, the Tom Rylance one, and really enjoyed it. I have a lot of respect for Tom Rylance, and I hope that he knows it. Um, I don't think he knows how much I admire him as a human. Um, but like, what is it like to work with him? Because he seems very intense when he's got a, dri- a drive and a vision. Yeah. And that's the, probably the thing that I respect the most. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's good and bad to it, um, like related specifically to that trait that he possesses. Because um, some people are a little bit sort of directionless and a little bit don't know what they want and just just start doing things and I'll tell you when I've seen it. Um, so it it's it's good in the respect that he has a vision. Uh, there's, he has a he also has a, a good idea of what his brand is like and and what where the limits to what things can look like lie, um, and is good at communicating them to me so I know where my boundaries are um, also he's very trusting like he, he definitely he either very much believes in what I do and is like a, a big advocate of mine or he understands that you would have to spend a, a loads of money ordinarily to get the quality that I yeah. can I can give in a music video to, to suck my own dick there for a little bit but I, I rip myself off with the with the prices. Oftentimes, you do. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. That you would agree. Um, but yeah, it can, it can be difficult because uh, I mean, like any artist, so it's, it's no no more different. Uh, you know, it's, it's not different to the you know the typical um, tortured artist. Uh, but yeah, it, it's you, you sort of they're putting or you know even when you've had things done by me putting like your baby in my hands and, and like mm. you know you're just like just look after it though because if you fuck it up then like my shit is wrong do, yeah. do you get what I mean so I can never even imagine what how much trust that takes to for you to just go here's my song do a video for it and like I kind of dig that though it's why I don't like being in the studio anymore like I like to just do my vocals and then just leave and it's someone else's job now yeah yeah but you can imagine Imagine just someone else doing it and getting it wrong and not and interpreting it badly, and then you're looking at it going, "This is the wackest shit I've ever seen." But that's fine, like because the thing that I've as I've got older that I really really like more and more is like just watching what people do with stuff. Like I love that. For me, that's yeah. part of it is like being like, "What is he gonna do with this?" Providing that it turns out all right. Part of it though is that like that's part of the gamble. Like you ain't gonna win every gamble. It's like we were saying that it shouldn't be for money. Yeah. But then maybe there should be um, grants available, you know, arts stuff and and like places and resources available for people who want to be doing music. There should be more of that, definitely. Yeah, well, and I also think that like just the arts in general needs to become less like stratified. Like just, I think that, well, Steve Albini wrote a really interesting article. Who's that? The guy who produced um, *In Utero* by Nirvana. He's worked with he's worked with Fugazi. I think he's worked with Black Flag. Like he's worked with like every sort of like interesting kind of punky artist under the sun. Fascinating guy. Like and writes a lot of interesting stuff about music and the business of music and stuff. And like he wrote an open letter about when Spotify was first kicking off, and he had a really good point where he was like, 
like the time of the rock star is drawing to a close and we are all going to benefit from it because now like you know johnny rotten got it right in like 1976 where he was just like music shouldn't be about these five people just stood on stage and everyone worshiping them yeah it should just be like yeah you make good tunes like between you and me like i don't give a shit what mac miller does with his day i mean nothing now but like it just it's just like you know what i mean like i don't care I don't care what he's doing with his day. Yeah. If he wants to take drugs, that's fine. It's celebrity worship, isn't it? This is what I mean, and I don't understand it. Like, for example, some of my favourite bands, you look at them and they look, genuinely look like the guy who works in IT. Yeah. Times five. I love it. Radiohead. Yeah. And like, yeah, like Tom York. No one knows what Tom York's up to. He just does his thing. It's a shame, isn't it? They used to, it used to be that you could have more mystique as a band. Yeah. And, and now it's sort of essential that you give complete full access to your whole life. But I mean, that's why we've been really quiet on social media recently is because I'm in the process of trying to change that. Like, I don't want it to just be a load of pictures of us on stage and being like, aren't we great? Like, I'm going to bring back the haikus and I'm going to bring back just, I just want to make art every day. You know what I mean? Even if it's just writing a poem or writing this or writing bits and pieces. And if I can do that and it's helping out the band, so be it. But like, I think that, you know, every band needs a good photo shoot, but you've, you've met our band. We don't do photo shoots well. Like, let's be honest. Every photo shoot we've done with you has been really stressful. Um, <laughs> That's the one it like. I mean, not, not sort of... Out of the, not, not an, to an anomalic level. Yeah, not because we're all knobheads, just because like all of us are just kind of like, <sighs> like, right. do you know what I mean? Like, do we have to have pictures taken of us? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's another thing that I've always respected the lottery winners for is that like they lean into it and do it in a way that is still testable and interesting. Mm. Like their cover with the dogs, I think was fantastic. Yeah. I loved that. Um, you know, the, uh, the young love video great really really interesting like i really dug that and like it also highlighted that i think i think tom could be quite a good actor yeah um i also think kate could be a good actor as well that's not, what not, I like. not rob or joe i mean rob and joe i don't know them enough as people you know what i mean because kate instantly has more of a spotlight i know being the only female in the group yeah and tom obviously is the front man I'm talking like in terms of acting chops, they they were the focal point of that video. Yeah. And also like, you know, they're basically like Liam and Noel. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's one of them things where they're the focal point, but everyone's favourite member of that band is Joe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. and and like like being in the studio with Tom, like I find him a, a really fun guy to be around. Yeah. He's cool. But um in honesty, I was watching Oh Christ! What's her name? She was on the on the podcast the other week. Just just released a single. Lucy D. Kim. Yeah, like it's people like that I want to know more about. Like that episode with Fleur, it got me interested. In it. It's not my kind of music, but like she strikes me as an interesting human. Like yeah. what a mad story! You know what I mean? Like classically trained singer, and there is doing pop music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Has all that French stuff going on? Mental. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not keen on the French accent, so I try and just limit my intake of French things to cheese and wine. But, like, you know, like, it just... 
interesting people. That Lucy Deacon, interesting human. You know what I mean? Like everyone's got something fascinating in them somewhere. You know yeah. what I mean? And you know, like that, that episode with Boone, what an interesting man. It sounds like you're a real genuine fan of the, the show. I dig it? this show, man. I dig it because like... Is it strange to like, the, the more, every time you come back on, you must have watched like several more episodes yeah. in the meantime. So is it weird to be sat with the, all the shit? The shit, yeah. Like honestly, if I could come on this every week, I would. You are welcome. Because <laughs> like, I, I just... You, if you want to come and live in the spare room so that we can legally be allowed to... <laughs> just, just do it every do, week. Yeah, because we're in the same housing well, I mean, shit, yeah. Because I mean, I work from home. I could just connect to your internet and off we go. But like, it's just, um, I just think that like, you've got so many people, especially like in Manchester's creative scene coming in here. And all right, it's not getting thousands of views, but yet what it is, yeah, yeah. What it is, is it's a catalogue of all the creative stuff going on. Like this, what we are now, like 50 odd episodes. All mm. right, there's been some repeat offenders, but like, it's a catalogue of all the people making interesting art. And like, where else can, can you find that? I like the direction that we're going in. I dig it. It's lavishing me with... Uh... Well, no, I dig it. You know, like, and it's well produced. It's done well. And I remember you said to me straight up, you was just like, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it and I'm doing it well. You know what I mean? And like, I think you have done. So like, yeah. Thanks very much, Breeze. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I can't think of a better note to finish it on. Yeah. And if I wait any longer to piss, it will be blood that's coming out. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I urge you to go and check out deskridden underscore or just Breezy's socials will be tagged up in the video. Yeah. Um, obviously, Rivet City, uh, you intend to continue with. Mm-hmm. Stand-up comedy on occasion. Go and check it out. There's a lot of different stuff going on that Breezy puts out and it's all top quality and you can see that he's passionate and uh, honest. He lays his soul bare in it all and uh, not everyone does that. So, Thank you. Cheers for coming on, man. You are welcome anytime. It's been a pleasure. And uh, cheers. And also, folks, we're probably going to be in lockdown again by the time this comes out. Uh, Just keep your heads on. Everything's going to be all right. We'll figure this out. Word. Word. Have a good one.